Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Soundworks Collection interview series. This is Michael Coleman, and this week I spoke with Christopher Willits, who is a Bay Area-based electronic musician, teacher, composer, producer, photographer, filmmaker, and guitar pioneer. His most recent album, Opening, was released on Ghostly International in September of 2014. Chris and a group of artists, coders, designers, musicians, thinkers, engineers, geeks, philanthropists, and entrepreneurs are opening a new intimate performance space housed within the Midway Creative Complex in San Francisco called Envelope. Envelope is a unique audio-visual instrument for electronic artists and a world-class venue for audiences to experience sound and light. I hope you enjoy. Well, Christopher, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me about this amazing space in San Francisco, Envelope. Before we even talk about this space, why don't you give a little background just about who you are and what you've been up to for maybe even the past five to ten years, because you have an amazing musical background and engineering producing background, and tell me about that. Man, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming in and uh, initiating this conversation, for sure. It's a fun thing to talk about. I mean, I got started in, in music at a very young age and um, was also doing visual art as well. And went to college studying painting, switched over to film, and then started like, you know, taking the music. I was always playing in bands and doing solo guitar stuff into the films. And in grad school, kept exploring that. And for now, like, you know, the past 10 years or so, mm-hmm. it's, that's been like the main focus. Um, main focus was just music for a while. Now it's audiovisual work and instrumental uh instrumental wise or you know uh it's uh, it's all about guitar and it's all about voice it's all about um deep bass and and percussion so i'd like to bring all these different sounds together into really a space of calm a space of peace that's really what the core intention is you know to bring people together through the music and allow them allow them to have their own experience um with you know shared experience with other people and uh you know, and just put a little love into the world um, and the level of like, you know, being being present, being still, being being at peace with each other and uh, and the sounds that we're creating together, right? What was the inspiration for you growing up? What, what do you remember as kind of the things that really you gravitated towards that really caught your attention that were maybe inspirations as you were trying to find your voice? Oh man, a huge one was Jimi Hendrix. Just, okay. You know, <laughs> finding my parents' records yeah. and discovering Hendrix is like, what? You know, this is most incredible sounds happening, you know, and um, that really, I think, catalyzed me to, to play guitar. And then from there, it was like everything else, you know, um, you know, like, like Sonic Youth and a bunch of the stuff that was happening, like the early 90s, definitely yeah. was like a big, big frame too. Tons of hip hop. Um, and then I got into a ton of jazz, you know, so much John Coltrane. I've yeah. probably listened to more John Coltrane than anything <laughs> in my life. And uh, got into like, you know, more like sound art and more like free jazz type of stuff as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's all an influence for me, for sure. Like there's so many different musicians that all come into kind of uh, the sound that I love. What, what did you find for you was the turning point when you realized that you wanted to dedicate your time to being a full-time musician, that you wanted to kind of pursue that career path? You know, it's funny. It was never really a decision. Okay. Just at a very young age, I knew that I was going to be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You know, I, I was very, these very kind of specific 
visions of creating and performing for people, these things, performing with people, and also doing more immersive audio work as well. Like probably when I was like 13 or so, I never made any decision. It was just like, this is something I have to do. Yeah. Luckily, my parents, they're more like creatively minded and my mom's an artist herself. So there was never any, you know, kind of like resistance there from their angle, which is what I'm like super grateful for. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is, it was never a decision. It was like, I have to do this. I have to just walk this creative path and uh, and connect the sounds to the images and, and connect people with, uh, in a way, like a different dimension of sound. Where, where did you find that you found a love for gear and for playing with sound and crafting it and figuring out how to make it your, your canvas? From a young age, I was always like tinkering with stuff and building little electronic things. And usually it would end up just with a bunch of uh, circuit boards exploding <laughs> into like fire and that would be <laughs> yeah. like the success. But then as I, I got into college and stuff, I started working with with uh, visual programming languages like Maximus P, which is you know, yep. just simply called Max now. And so I'd build processing software for my guitar and my voice to cut it up and fold it into these different patterns. So that's always been something I'm really interested in is just not only just creating the sound, but understanding the process and the tools and how those tools are influencing the resulting sound. Yeah. So, you know, I never thought that I would be uh, so deep into software and stuff. Mm. At a, you know, at a young age, I just wanted to play guitar. But then I realized that that has such an incredible shape uh, along the lines of the, the sonic intention of the sound. I was like, I have to learn this. This is like a critical tool. All these, all these, you know, from, from the software you're creating, um, software I'm creating to process my guitar and my voice to, you know, all the mastering tools that are in this, this studio. It all is about bringing the intention of the sound together into a focus, mm. you know? So I just want to learn it all. I yeah. mean, it's, I'm, I think, yeah, for, for the rest of my life, I'm still going to be learning about, you know, the details of, of the tools, not just for the tool themselves, but, you know, because it relates to a larger process of how the sound is expressed. What's your take on just being here in the Bay Area and, and being in this creative pool of technologists? What do you appreciate about just this really interesting cross-section of people? It's a good question. I mean, I think maybe I take it for granted sometimes because, you know, there is there is a really unique hybrid happening here from uh, the, you know, the overlap between art and science and mm-hmm. and the way people are interfacing with, you know, technology in different ways. Up until recently, I don't think it really influenced it a whole lot. Ah, it's a, again, it's a difficult question because, like, it's almost like a chicken or the egg conversation right. because I've been here for now about 15 years right. working on stuff. And uh, I came out here because, mainly because of, like, the nature, you know, I just felt the vibe out here that was, was important and kind of conducive to the way I wanted to live my life. And then that kind of first wave of a, uh, the dot-com boom yeah, sure. started moving and it definitely helped to sustain things because what I did right after grad school was started teaching workshops okay. about, you know, how to use Macs, how to use Pro Tools and eventually Ableton Live and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that people out here are just a little bit more kind of savvy on te- technological level, they uh, there was a need for that that you wouldn't get in, in other cities. So definitely I think that just the fact that I was out here in this place with, with so many people that are like these technologists and, and interested, I think that on the early on the early and really supported stuff, but n- but never really um, like influenced it a whole lot. I mean, I I'd probably be making the same stuff somewhere else, but yeah. 
um, where it's starting to really influence things now is with the Envelop project. And, you know, we've got so many funders right now that are um, people that you know, used to work in technology or working it now, and they just get it because they understand the, the innovation, you know, and I think that's one aspect of it where, you know, regardless of uh, what someone might be doing or the, you know, their, the moral or the ethics behind it and whatever, which long conversation and obviously there's a, it's a, it's a hot topic right now with the way mm-hmm. that San Francisco is changing and everything. But no matter what, um, I think many of the people here in the Bay Area that are working in tech in some way, they understand the power of innovation. They understand how um, small tools and changes in the way that we think in terms of our process and, and, uh, and, and you know, the, the technology around us, how it can really, really influence and innovate our imaginations, our relationship to each other and, and art in particular, you know? So what was the what was the seed of the idea? How did this concept come up for this space, and what was the progr- just? How did you form the team? How, how, when did all this start? Yeah, it's an amazing story, man. It's um, it's incredibly synchronized how it all mm-hmm. came together, which kind of everything is if you just kind of let things flow the way they the way they do naturally. Uh-huh. For years, I've been dreaming about doing more with three-dimensional composition. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the processing that I used to do with Max and my guitar, and my voice, you know, um, I mean, stuff I'm still doing, but the processing that I was, I was first focusing on, even up to like 15 years ago, it was all, it was all based upon using the stereo field as much as I possibly can. So if yeah. you listen to older work, especially, there's a lot of movement in the stereo field. I mean, even my, my current work is doing that now. But I felt like I was running up against a wall where I wanted these sounds not just to move left and right or any combination and changing phase and using MS matrixing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I wanted something that actually enveloped the whole audience, you know, myself in a sphere of sound. And I was experimenting with different types of like just weird, my own kind of like jerry-rigged solutions of, of yeah. surround sound, mostly just like horizontal plane expression of the sound so it sounds just around you about mm-hmm. your level that was going back you know years and years ago and uh, I always had in my mind I was like I need to get into ambisonics more I need to understand this more and I started taking strides to understand what the technology was about <clears throat> in the process there was these two guys that did a demo at a club called Monarch mm-hmm. and they did an ambisonic demo and I was like Oh, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, this this seems cool. And I wasn't able to make it to the demo. I was like out of town or something at the time. But soon after, uh, Ilan, who was one of the guys who did the demo, it was Ilan and Andrew. Uh, Ilan reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, I'm into your music. I think you might be into this technology. And I was like, you like read my mind, man. This is actually, I was just checking out what you guys were doing. Uh, let's hang out and show me what you're up to. So went over to Andrew's loft and they were already working on a 12 channel cube prototype. And I mean, it was right at the bat. It was like great vibe, you know, incredibly smart, creative guys, um, incredible use of the technology. And I was sold, you know, I was like, okay, this is, this is so cool that we met because I wanted to get into this, 
you guys are doing it. Um, you know, I'm a creator doing these things. They're, they're engineers, creators as well. I, you know, I have an engineering background with like the software, like let's come together and, and play basically. And so we started thinking up different kind of sound system ideas, like how could we bring this to the public? Because we got a 12 channel cube, but it was pretty small for a number of people to be inside it. Right. And we couldn't really have public events at Andrew's Loft. I mean, so you we, could, but you know, it might be a little. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, you could. It'd be like you know, ten people like hugging in the middle of this kind yeah, of smaller yeah. cube and stuff. So, yeah, intimate. It'd be an intimate uh, situation for sure. But uh, we're like, yeah, how can we solve this problem? Right. You know, we met up with our friend Roddy Lindsay at the time because he was working on a software solution. So there was all these elements, you know, we're trying to figure out the content, what what could we do together? We're trying to figure out the, the system itself. Like what are the speakers? Like what's the arrangement, you know? Um, all of this started happening so synchronistically. We're like, okay, let's all get together and work on this thing together. Um, let's all get together and, and work on this thing as like, you know, a more serious kind of business perhaps. You when know? was this? When did all that happen? Um, about a year and a two, about two years ago. Okay. As is really when we were like, okay, let's all try to make this happen together. And <clears throat> we started thinking, you know, what is, what's the main obstacle right. here? And it was just a space. We needed some type of a space to install things with them. Yeah. And literally within a couple of weeks, my friend Jeff Whitmore, who is one of the owners of Public Works, reached out and he was like, We've got this huge space that we're making. It's a creative complex. It's going to be in the dog patch. We've got this one room that we want to have some type of emerging technology within. You know, do you have some idea? That sounds pretty awesome. I mean, that sounds like a perfect fit. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, it was perfect. And so me and Jeff have a long um, friendship and and uh, and, and uh, track record of, of doing overlap events with Public Works. Yeah. And so we're like, yeah, let's try to make this happen. Right. And yeah. brought it back to the team. You know, started getting into the details, and we're like, "Yeah, let's make this, let's make this a reality." And so, that's you know, that's been our main push for now. You know, the last year and a half or so, mm-hmm. I guess it's been. I mean, when you guys first were at that point, was it where it is now with with kind of the the size and scope, or did the space really help you guys determine what you're capable and how big? Or how small it needs to be to I mean like I can imagine you bring the system the idea to the space but then you're also thinking about how big you can go just because of the space constraints yeah I mean it's it has so much to do with the space you know um, that is the main constraint a different size a different aspect ratio of the room you know all this is gonna influence the way that you're gonna you're gonna you know, create virtually um, a sphere of sound so that was one of the challenges because we have a, a rectangular room and we need to make this sphere of sound. Um, but yeah, we, you know, cranked on it. Andrew's amazing. Andrew used to work at, at Dolby and um, he's now doing independent sound research and he has a couple couple of different businesses brewing. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he, he, he led the charge and, and really found the best geometry, Amazonic geometry to make this occur. Um, how did you guys end up with this? You have it done as a 28.4 channel system. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how did it end up at 28.4? Well, you can. The cool thing about ambisonics is it's scalable. Mm-hmm. So the minimum number of points you need is four, and that would essentially define a horizontal plane around an audience. 
But as you can imagine, if you just have four points around an audience, it's not going to be very resolved on the corners. And also, there's not going to be any elevation, which is one of the coolest things about ambisonics, is you have elevation, you also have sound that can come from below you as well. So you have to look at the size of the space. You have to look at you know how resolved you want that sphere to be. And then you can come up with the number 28 for that space. Andrew's, Andrew felt that that was going to be the best, and he ran models on it. Yeah. It's so cool to see. You can see you know, basically how the vibration in the room is coating, saturating the room, and you can see if there's any holes. Mm -hmm. And so we got four speakers on the top. We've got eight columns. Each of those columns has three speakers each. Yeah. So we've got an ear level speaker that's defined the, the horizontal plane. We got speakers above the audience. These columns go up to 12 feet. Yeah. And then we got speakers right on the floor pointed up. Because we couldn't like get underneath the, yeah, foundation, the foundation or like make yeah. a grid so like the speakers are actually under people. So we're trying a different approach where the speakers are actually on the ground pointed up. So oh, you nice. get that sense of some depth, like sound coming from below you. So yeah, it, it is like you said, it had everything to do with the geometry of the yeah. space. So once you built the system, everything's somewhat working and you fired it up for the first time, what were what were what was your first reaction to it? Well, we, we just have a prototype right now. The yeah. prototype is in Andrew's loft. It's incredible. There's not been one demo that we've given where the people aren't just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you know, and that's what's really cool about this technology is like people get it. You know, it's, you know, we're, we're built to hear sound from all around our bodies. Right. But the music only comes from one direction that we listen to. That is stereo music. It's amazing. But it's not actually built to utilize our full capacity of hearing. Yeah. And when you start to hear this stuff, you're like, wait, that's actually possible? Why is this not happening? Right. You know? So basically, we've done all these experiments in a 12-channel cube. And it's an ambisonic cube. Right. Ambisonics can scale into another space. So once the walls are all built out in this enveloped space, which is in the midway, uh, we're going to start installing the columns. So that's going to be like early June or so. Okay. And then we'll actually calibrate, you know, and see how... The full experience works yeah. but based on our prototype and based on all the models that we've done it's going to be awesome so the question is is how do you make this come to life uh, just from the sense of funding and, and partners and because it, it's not cheap i can imagine either so what what was that journey like to really be able to say yes this is going to become a reality for you guys now that you have a space how do you fill it yeah exactly i mean that none of us are uh pros at fundraising for sure yeah you know i've always just had the approach of like i'll just make what i love and maybe the money will come right i've been very fortunate that you know, i've been able to sustain myself so that approach doesn't exactly work when you need to buy over a quarter of a million dollars of gear to, yeah, sure. to make a <clears throat> large project reality our approach was to tell our friends like our core friends first and then spiral outward okay so we told our friends and and tried to shake them out first <laughs> like because you know they understand it they a lot of them had already understood uh things that we were working on yeah. and so we presented with, hey this is actually a long-term installation that you guys can get involved in and that worked really well like some some of our friends are like the core investors and then spiraling out from that you know so going out and out to the point where we are now where we're going to launch the kickstarter in just a week and that's to get the remaining just installation costs basically yeah. um so we're 
you know, we're we're kind of experimenting with this as we go. It's a, it's definitely an experiment, a social experiment as well as a technological and artistic yeah. experiment to see how, you know, what's the value that people uh, resonate with because, you know, essentially that's where your agreement with your money and things are going to go. You want to feel like it's it's benefiting yeah. you in some way. So it's really fun to get into that detail, you know, and, and connect with people on a, on a more like heart-based level. Like, why is this important to a shift in the way that we're listening to music? How is this, how's that shift in listening also connected to potentially shifts in our consciousness as well? There's so much research to be done in here. You know, so I think really one of the things that's benefited us in the fundraising aspect of all of this is that we're going to be doing a whole bunch of different stuff within the space. You know, we're going to have, have shows, we're going to have parties. They're going to be amazing, but we're also going to be, you know, a school. We're educating people about how to use this technology. So education is a huge aspect of it. And then the other aspect is we're going to be doing sound therapy research. You know, how does immersive audio, three-dimensional audio sound coming from all around your body, vibrating all around you, affect you in a different way than just a stereo field or something on headphones? And uh, this is this is where different people are really resonating. You know, it's not just the the fun party vibes and like the artistic expression. It's also the level of education and science. Yeah, I, I think letting people know about this is one thing, but then to experience it is a completely different thing. Because mm-hmm. you know, talk about it and to see pictures of it, then you're like, yeah, that looks it's a cool well, and idea. Then, yeah, and to talk about the challenges of fundraising as well. <laughs> How do you get people? This is a, so one of the challenges of this whole project is to, to convey the experience because obviously you can't have the experience unless you're in at the very least our prototype, you know, which is that 12, 12 channel cube. And, uh, it's, it's difficult. I mean, with the Kickstarter, the approach that I took in the, in the direction of the piece, actually I'll show it to you a little bit later was to, to just kind of have an overview of like, what is the value? How is it going to be different? How is music, that's composed in three dimensions is going to be fundamentally different than stereo yeah. because you obviously, you know, they're going to be listening on stereo speakers. They can't have that, but you can kind of give them a vicarious experience. Yeah, sure. So that's been one of the hardest things. Pretty much the only people that have been funding this project are people that we have shown the prototype. So that, that's a big key there is to say that, well, if you like this idea, if you think the concept is, is a good one, make the effort and, and make the time to connect with these guys. Cause you know, I, I think like when I think of even the um, the the art project that was done on the Bay Bridge with the lights, mm-hmm. on Bay Lights, and an artist says, you know, I want to put lights on the Bay Bridge. It sounds like a great idea. And put it out to the community, and the community says, yeah, we actually think this is a really good idea. And then it turns into this amazing project that spans a few years. And I saw this as a as another opportunity. There's a, a space that says, I think this is a good idea. I think it should be here. But now we need to reach out to the community because just because it's there doesn't mean people are just going to show up. Yeah. So, I, you know, I congratulate you guys on taking it this far, but it's like now the journey really begins. and It really does. I mean, just this this extra little chunk of change with the Kickstarter is going to bring us to ground level to actually begin. And what everything you're saying is so important. I mean, we want this to be, we want this to be a space where the community can come together in a creative way. And uh, I think through educational initiatives, and, and just through the, the parties we're going to have, I think we're going to get a lot of people coming in who are exposed to immersive audio for the very first time. I mean, there's also going to be a larger venue, like 3,000 person capacity club that's right next door to us. It's yep. part of the Midway. Yep. 
And when they're having huge events, the enveloped space is going to be like a chill room. Yeah. You know, so that's really cool, I think, for exposure of the of the technology and the platform. Because people who have never even thought about three-dimensional sound are going to be able to go in there on a weekend and be like, whoa, this is yeah. a totally different experience. I want to come back to one of the curated events where they're really utilizing the system in an artistic and creative way. And the other thing, the other thing that I just wanted to throw out there, yeah. you know, we're building this space, but it's really an environment for the platform. It's not just a venue or something that we're creating. We're actually creating, you know, a toolkit. We're, we are creating an experience that it's going to transcend just the venue. And yeah. that's, that's the, the big goal in this is to give people a better grasp, you know, a creative grasp on how three-dimensional sound can change the way that they're listening. Mm. And having this venue is a place to express that essentially, but that's not just the goal by itself. I, I think when I think about, you know, three-dimensional sound, people have called it immersive audio. There's, I mean, it starts even back with like quad, you know, quad's been around for a long time and then it progressed into other channel formats, you know, f- stuff that was really driven by cinema, mm-hmm. you know, five, one, seven, one, nine point one, eleven point one. just keeps continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a point where people are starting to have a chance to experience immersive audio and some of the, you know, I think feature film formats where it's being mixed in this more immersive where there are speakers overhead. Every time I talk with somebody about it, they their first reaction was, oh my God, I never knew that the sounds above my head in various places that I'm usually not used to actually improves just my experience with the art form, what I'm seeing and mm-hmm. hearing. And uh, mm-hmm. it's exciting to think that there is more to learn about, about this, about listening and, and experiencing sound in spaces. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, all the Dolby Atmos stuff is really exciting. It's amazing that this stuff is kind of taken as long as it has right. to get to people. Because yeah, as you're yeah. saying, I mean, these formats have been around forever, and it just seems to make, once you experience it, it's just, it's so obvious that it's an incredible, you know, it's it's giving you more value within that that experience. It's giving you a deeper connection to the sound because... You know, we're designed to hear sound from all around us. Right. And the sound is then designed to <laughs> go all around us in different ways. Yeah. It just makes sense. But it's never picked up in the world of music. You know, Dolby has done incredible things with surround sound. But one of the, the problems that has emerged is that it's it's really cost prohibitive. It's really locked up in, mm-hmm. into these kind of like boxes of, of intellectual property. And what we're hoping to do with the Envelope platform is open it up. So our software is open source and we're using Ambisonics, which is also an open source technology. So we want anyone in the world to be able to get into this and start creating music for three dimensions because it's like, why not? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's so much potential. So let's just make it happen. So for people who are interested to support this project, where should, where should they go? Yeah. If you want to check out the project, please go to envelope.us and all the info about the Kickstarter and uh, more information about the details of the system are all there. Awesome, Chris. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, and congratulations on the game this far. It seems just getting this far is worth celebrating. You know, it's pretty amazing. Well, no celebration yet. I mean, this is <laughs> this has been a huge project, and uh, it's just getting started. And we really need everyone out there who's interested to, to come to the table and, and bring their creativity with. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks.